The big question is this, how are real estate entrepreneurs like us who spend money from our own pockets to build a brand, generate leads, and deliver value to our clients? How do we do all of that and still earn our next million dollars in income? If you want proven secrets to get to your next million, keep listening. If you want it faster, go to kingstonlane.com forward slash secrets. Welcome to the Kingston Lane Podcast. Hi, this is Sharon Srivatsa, and I'm with Leslie Appleton-Young. For those of you who have been under a rock and don't know who Leslie is, very high level, Chief Economist for the California Association of Realtors. And Leslie, I'd probably say there's nobody in the state of California that is connected to the real estate business that doesn't know who you are. And <laughs> which, which is awesome, which is awesome. And so before we even go there, outside of outside of CAR and outside of what you do, who is Leslie outside of CAR? Oh, who is Leslie? Well, um, I have two wonderful daughters who both live back east. They're successfully launched and by that, I mean neither one of them is on my cell phone plan. <laughs> I think at age 30, they both reach that um, that um, benchmark. Um, but they inspire me every day. You know, it's uh, I have a lot of friends like you that have younger kids, and I enjoy following the um, the story so much and I remember it all and it just never goes away it's right. it's part of one of the things that you talk about you know having you know professional goals to enable you to have a life you right. know and what an important part um, part that is so um, I think that I'm kind of looking at maybe the last kind of professional uh, chapter and I I'm uh, my goal is to be very deliberate yeah. in how I spend my time and who I spend my time with yeah. and really why I'm here and what matters to me because so many things that used to matter don't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And just having reached a point in life where it's okay to say, I'm just doing this because it makes me happy right? and not having to explain it. So I just feel that I am in this incredible sweet spot. I've spent a lot of time working in this crazy, incredible Wild West industry right. that we work in um, from the, you know, from the point of view, obviously, of being in uh, the trade association. And now after kind of sowing those seeds for so many years, I really get to enjoy my job. You know, I get to do what I want. I get to hang out with people like you. I get to kind of leverage whatever um, uh, kind of support and credibility that I have right. uh, to really make a difference. You know, and what's wonderful is unlike 30 or 40 years ago when you didn't really talk about um, purpose or service as much or emotion or feeling yeah. today there's a recognition i mean you you know we've talked a lot about teams you know and how teams work effectively well this human connection is critical right. it's key it's it's everything yeah. so that's kind of not yeah. really a nutshell but kind of yeah. just a description of where i think i am at this point in my life yeah and and i think you said something um amazing there which was this 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 concept of being intentional, being deliberate, and having this purpose, whatever that purpose is to each of us, right? Um, and even when I was, I, you said 30, you lost 10 years, 10 years ago, it was a, hey, 
let's talk about work ethic and how hard you work. And that was the center of the conversation. Right, like how many emails did I get today yeah. and that makes me better than you because I'm obviously very <laughs> important, right? right? And even and even the, even the uh, you know, FaceTime in the office, right? Like who who's in here early, who's out late? And right, and right now I, I could care, a significant amount of, of our teams are remote and they have great quality of life and they're dialed into the firm's purpose. And I think strangely what the millennials have done is they've allowed for this conversation to exist on, hey, it's okay to talk about this, even though we thought about it. And, and I think with, with, um, with leaders in the industry like you bringing it up and talking about the purpose, I'll tell you one thing I really love, uh, for those who have ever been to your presentation, wherever you have presented, you will go through the market and how it's structured and the, the mechanics of the industry, but you always end with, hey, here are the five books that I'm reading right now right. that I really recommend. So you really bring it back to, it's it's we are professionals, but we're also people that our clients connect with. And that framed everything for me. And that's why I have you know so much respect for you because it shows that there's so much more to it than than all those numbers and those charts. And, and that's why that, you know, I was so curious about how you thought about the world. Yeah, well, I think context is important. And I don't know, there's some great quote about, you know, you you are the sum of, you know, the people you meet, the places you go, and the, the books, books that, that you read. read. And, yeah. and I love that because yeah. it's so important to get out of your comfort zone, to yeah. be open, to listen. And so I, I'm so grateful to Audible. I spend a lot of time <laughs> driving in my car and Audible is, is like a, I'm like a kid in a candy store as soon as I get like a free credit or something yeah. I'm like oh my god what am I going to read yeah. now and what I find is regardless of what kind of topic it is it I learn and it enriches me and um expands the value of what I'm able to share yeah. with other people. And most of the time, these are things that aren't related to, quote unquote, real estate directly at all. But right. they're related to, I mean, what is real estate all about, right? It's about hopes and dreams and family and community and all of that stuff. And what a real estate agent does every day is directly tied 100% to the kind of person they bring to the world every day, you right. know, and that is the great mystery of life, right? <laughs> How do I have my best day right. every day? And what I've learned from people like you is it doesn't have to be a crapshoot. Yeah. Like you can prepare for it. Everybody's different. It's unique and personalized, but you can set yourself up um, to have a great day right. and achieve your goals you just need to spend some time in preparation right. and not be afraid to look at yourself and figure out who you are and what works for you yeah and i think you said it really well i i'm a big fan of the um we, there's a lot of power in designing your day and you you can design you, you have the power to design it the way you want it and right. and, and um that that leads me to kind of the the question to you is what do you think about kind of habits and rituals? Is there is there one or two that you are obsessed with, you like, that you know, that keeps you centered, that keeps you focused, that, that you hold very dear? Well, this is probably like too personal, but yeah. when I get home after I have dinner, I always like to take a shower. Yeah. I always like to kind of reset my physical, personal space for 
the rest of the evening, which may be watching something on television or reading or catching up or whatever, but I really just need to kind of refresh myself. And then of course I do it again the next morning, <laughs> but, but that's something that um, really helps me um, mentally kind of prepare. Yeah. The other thing that I've had to accept is that, um, and I think I've been this way since I was born, I'm a really good sleeper. Like I need sleep and this time you were referring yeah. to where it was like, oh my God, I only got four hours of sleep and yeah. I'm ready to go. And thanks to Ariana Huffington, oh you know, gosh, who's talked movement. about, yeah. we all can sleep our way to the top yeah. and that means you need more, <laughs> you need more sleep. So I, I'm often asleep by 9 or 9.30, but I frequently get up at 4 in the morning, and for an hour and a half, I have really productive time that other people who I would look at as the kind of adult I've always wanted to be, but I'm not, um, who stay up late, would have in the evening. Right. And it's just wonderful, you know? And then I will get ready and I usually go and take a spin class from six to seven. Yeah. And then I come home and I'm on with getting ready and going forward. Yeah. But that, I love the morning. I think what I love about it is everything's possible. Yeah. Um, I have a, a dear friend, this a wonderful broker who said to me once, you know, Leslie, we all start over every day. Mm -hmm. So that idea of a new beginning yeah. and another opportunity to try to get it right, right and to have like the best day you're ever going to have. Yeah. Um, I like to do that in the morning. I usually light a fire. I watch awesome. my cat trying to get in the fire because <laughs> she loves to be so yeah. uh, warm. And it's just um, a, con uh, a time to contemplate, a time to meditate a little bit and really honestly to get some work done. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I don't know if you've had a chance to read um, Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. No. Um, so he so he compiled all his interviews that he's done, you know, with all with, with, with very successful people. And he built this little close, close notes. And it's two, three pages from each person. But that what I love about it is he summarized kind of the commonalities up front. And it's amazing that the three commonalities of all these people, called the Richard Branches, the Bill Gates, the Tony Robbins of the world, uh, that I remember are number one, they really protect their morning time. Uh, number two is all of them have a meditation practice, which is in some way. And number three, they all hack their sleep in some way to, to get more optimal sleep. And so right. I was talking to my wife about it and I said, wait, so if I can protect my morning time, sleep better, and whatever the tools are around sleep and introduce some form of meditation into my life, I, I have... I have just short circuited my way into right. into that into that into that pool, and every time I talk to you know even you mentioned that it's just the I'm going to protect my morning time so I can think and your thinking is a contemplative meditative state because it allows you to work through the vision the goals what you're going to do that day so when you come in to work or whatever you're doing you're very centered right and that's that's super powerful right um, and I wish more people would do that so my question to you is. How do you, how do you uh, communicate or teach that to, say your, yourself twenty years ago? Because you you have a lot of people here that are younger uh, that work work with you, work for you. How do you introduce that concept to them now since you've learned that? You know, I think the first thing you need to do is just listen to really understand. 
it's a whole different, you know, I, I, I like to say we're all prisoners of our own generation, right? I'm a digital immigrant. Yeah. My kids are digital natives, yeah. but the ones, the Gen Zs are really digital natives. So you've got to figure out kind of the commonality of the, um, the language that you share with people. I think walking the talk is absolutely critical. I think you lead by example that people need um, to see that. But sometimes you just need to be very direct, you know, and ask uh, ask the questions. I'm reading this wonderful um, book right now called Radical Candor. And it's about a woman that worked at Google and just is sharing her kind of HR for the 21st century in terms of how to give um, feedback, you know, and how to do it in a loving way, but really say like, this is not cool, <laughs> and, and and so on. So, um, and it's really, um, uh, you know, being vulnerable, um, sharing kind of where it came from, uh, not being kind of critical of what they're doing, but figuring out really where they want to go and how you can help them. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of it, you know. And I also feel like we have a responsibility with our organizations where in, in just because of where we sit, we have some just default influence. And if we, I always think about how do I, how do I thoughtfully, strategically, but very, uh, you know, empathetically use that influence well. Right. And if we can create some awesome individuals who are going to have great lives, they're automatically going to be successful at the work that they do. And that's our, that's been the, instead of giving them another tactic or another script right. or another tool. Right. You, if you can just because eighty percent of the psychology, if, if they can come in feeling better, they'll make the calls. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And if you have confidence, you show up. You know, it expands the whole uh, arena in which you're playing. And if you're feeling good about yourself, so all of that stuff is tied in together. Like uh, a friend gave me a book a number of years ago called Radical Self Care, and everybody ought to be. Um, using that, you know, yeah. uh, everybody ought to be living a life where they're taking care of themselves first. Yeah. And I think that's really important. So, the, you know, as you were sharing that, it's you're spending a lot of your time um, gathering information and knowledge for the work that you do. You're also spending a lot of time gathering information and knowledge to for the holistic self that you are. How do you make decisions when the data is not Perfect. How do you make decisions in the gray? Is do you have a um, when you have imperfect data? Is there is there a thought process that you use to make? To make and, and generally, it ends, ends up being with relationships with people. Is there is there a thought process there, or how do you make? What would be the advice to make decisions when you have imperfect data? You know, I think ninety nine percent of the time you have imperfect data. I mean, occasionally in life things are black and white, and you know exactly what to do, right. but for the most part, and especially if you're a kind, empathetic person and you're used to seeing like both sides and everything, it's all gray, right? And it's all about the trade-offs. You know, there mm -hmm. are trade-offs to everything you do. And I think part of being successful is becoming the kind of person that can deal with the ramifications of whatever decision wow. you make. So I think one of the things I do is look back to similar decisions I've made. Yeah. I mean, typically, most things that come across your your desk or on your plate are not unique. Oh, my God, I've never seen this before. <laughs> yeah. But how did I handle that before? And what was the outcome? And so on and so forth. Again, I think um, don't do it 
in isolation, you know, get help, ask. You've got colleagues, right? You've got really um, smart people with different perspectives in your company. Most people love to be the expert or to love to have you come in and go, oh my God, Sharon wants advice from me. (laughs) This is how I would handle it. And I find that really, really helpful. And then, you know, it's 2017, Google it. You know, I gotta tell you, you go in and, you know, I I just bought a new iPad and I go in and I I Google a Wi-Fi, you know, cellular, yes, no, new iPad. And I get all this advice from people on whether or not it it makes a difference to them and what their experience has been. So, um, you know, you gather as much information as you can and then just make the best decision and you know what I think the key is don't be afraid of making a mistake you know they say the road to success is paved with failure you need to get out and try you need to learn from failure you rarely learn from reading what not to do in a book but when that thing happens to you you're like okay note to self that didn't work I'm not gonna go down that road again right is there um it's so funny you say that my um we got this. We got this Amazon Echo at home, which is these, you know, voice yeah. interactive Alexa. And my son, um, he'll go and kind of do. He'll ask Alexa questions and say, "Hey, uh, Alexa, what is the, you know, what's the capital of Canada?" And then he'll come back to me and say, "Hey, Dad, do you know what's the capital of Canada?" <laughs> right. And so I think, like you said, you've uh, got your hands full I there, do. Neil. <laughs> I do. And and it's interesting because what I learned from that was, if my son can use. Avail, you know, almost commoditized technology to get access to information. Um, I've seen what irritates people is that, hey, when you could have just Googled it and made a better decision on either a product or a service or right. how fast you get somewhere, um, that almost is something that we have to teach the digital immigrant these days. Is and a lot of our a lot of our people that we work with are digital immigrants. And um, how 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 has the conversation or how how would you advise the conversation to? guide the digital immigrants to be more uh, accepting and welcoming of the access to technology that they have? You know, I don't know how to do that. I I (laughs) think that there's certain types of people that welcome change they're curious they want to try new stuff and other people are like you know i'm right here in my little sphere i'm good to go like why would i do it differently uh you know we had a uh we've had we have some forms in our company that literally have not changed in the 30 plus years i've been here and my attitude is blow up the clown let's do something really different and other people may have an attitude well like it's working like, why would I do that? Right. So I don't know. You know, sometimes uh, one of my favorite quotes from um, my my boss, Joel, is, you know, sometimes it's easier to change people than it is to change people. So <laughs> I don't know if you can. And, you know, I, I said this in a meeting uh, uh, a few weeks ago. Sometimes I feel like I'm the oldest young person here or the youngest old person here because I just have that. Um, attitude Um, and you know it's not like I'm gonna be as proficient with all of these incredible tools that my research staff has at their fingertips you know when I was in graduate school I was carrying around Fortran cards you know and so it's probably at this point in my career not my highest and best use to be the best 
you know, mapping person uh, at CAR, but I certainly do appreciate uh, those skill sets. But anyway, back to your original question. I don't have a good answer for that yeah. because I think some people are just averse to it. And you know what? If you're not passionate about it, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I hate the word busy. Yeah. I hate to hear I don't have time yeah. because the reality is it wasn't a priority. Right. And those people are never going to have learning and adapting and being creative and doing it differently just because you can yeah. be a priority for them. Yeah. Um, you, 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 when, when you were saying that, it, it made me think of something interesting. Have there, has there, has, if you um, had to try something and you were guaranteed not to fail at it, can you think of something that you may, you may do? Oh my gosh. Um, well, I really want to become a comfortable, somewhat um, semi-skilled horseback rider. Oh, awesome. I love all animals of all types. Yeah. And um, I have a friend who has a, a ranch up in Northern California and she's got three or four horses or depending on a pound, how many she's taking care of at a time. And I will tell you, I am so happy and at peace when I am in the barn, yeah. dirty, <laughs> sneaking them extra carrots. Um, and it's, it's a challenge for me because there's a certain amount of, uh, I don't want to say dominance necessarily, but there's a certain power dynamic that goes on, yeah. right? And I've always had a little bit of trouble like being in that position. So I think it would not only fulfill me in terms of having this relationship with an animal where you're doing this thing together, but also being able to say, I'm in charge and it feels good. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, um, I've kind of been asking my, my son that question and it's the, you get, you get a different answer. Every Ever, which is wonderful. <laughs> right. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other question that we've been talking a lot about at home was, um, I want to get my kids to the point where they can recognize that somebody is very good at something. And so I, we asked the question around the dinner table is, hey, Neil, who do you admire? And just just that relationship saying, you know, Dad, I admire so-and-so, and I say, why? And him watching his ability to articulate that has been really powerful. So um, I'll pose that to you. Is there, um, are dead or alive, are there folks that, is there somebody that you really admire? And I'd love to hear kind of why, you, why that admiration or where it comes from. Well, I think in general, I admire um, the generation of women who have uh, kind of shattered the grass, grass glass ceiling. Yeah, yeah. You know, I look at um, Ariana Huffington. Yeah. I look in our industry at Pam O'Connor and Sherry yeah. Chris. I, I, I look at. Um, Bernice Ross, it, yeah. it, who's wonderful. I look at the women that were able to find their voice and succeed in a male-dominated culture um, and, and not really tick people off too much and gotten kind of a lot of support along the way who don't apologize for being 
bright and um, uh, leaders and um, just do it, you know, make it happen. Uh, because that certainly has been, you know, one of the kind of themes and challenges in my life is just, you know, growing up in the 50s and 60s to kind of get along and make everybody yeah. happy. And if you kind of gave back everything you were taught uh, in a blue book, you got an A. <laughs> and then realizing, yeah. and again, I think the world is so different today. Yeah. It's all about blowing up the status quo and kind of going to uh, to the next level, you yeah. know. And um, I, I just really admire, because uh, I'm... I relate so much to their journey, you know, yeah. and to what the challenges are. And um, certainly, you know, we're having a women's conference at CAR um, in a couple of months, and I'm going to do the kickoff, and I'm going to have it pretty data-heavy in terms of what the numbers look like. But my overarching message is going to be one of the things I love both love best about the real estate business is it is full of successful women and i have never once felt um as i get up to speak that someone was thinking wow why would a woman be car's yeah. chief economist you yeah. know i feel nothing but support and when you have over 50 percent of the agents um female yeah. it's a very safe and supportive environment and every industry isn't like that by the way so i love i love that about where i ended up well you know what an i think you articulated really well but as a as being in an audience where you have spoken numerous times i will tell you that you have no idea the excitement the warmth the joy and the um the 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 reverence that that people in the audience are looking up to you with, and you you have no idea, and it, it draws. I've seen people just say, "Hey, I'm gonna fly in because Leslie's speaking at three o'clock, right?" <laughs> and it's it's and and we have agents that would drive hundreds of miles because they know that they get a chance to hang out with you and yourself as you and. You show up and every, you know everybody knows you, and you just say, "Hey, I'm just gonna pull up a bar stool, and I'm I'll run you through the slides." But there's more to this than what we're talking about, and and I, I think it's important for you to know that because people will tell you that, "Hey, that was great and good presentation," but the energy that comes from the room because I sit there and I feel that every time. Oh, thank it's, you. It's awesome. It's awesome, and I have so just enormous respect for you. Um, I, I I'd love to just wrap up with a. Um, Maybe a little um, um, rapid fire round. Okay. So quick questions and answers. So, All right. Um, most, uh, your favorite book? Oh, that's really hard. Um, but in the context of my career, The Art of the Long View, and I'm going to actually give you a copy of it uh, before you leave today. Okay. Awesome. All right. Um, the most useful app that you're currently using? Ways. <laughs> yeah, Hands down, I am using Ways to get to work yeah. now. So yes. Yeah, if, people, if people didn't know that we lived in California, Los Angeles, they do. Yeah. They, they do now. Um, well, um, most impactful speaker you've heard in the last couple of years. Oh. You know, I I guess I just want to say Brad Inman, just because Brad always makes me think. 
You know, he doesn't sugarcoat it. He kind of speaks from the heart. He will apologize or say he was wrong, but it's just, um, with Brad, it just seems like it's always pretty raw and honest, and I relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but uh, kind of your top priority in your life right now. Uh, my theme for the year, yeah, uh, we talked about that earlier, uh, is health and fitness. Yeah. So I am a soul cycle addict. I'm there four or five times a week, depending on my schedule. Um, Sunday, I map out my rides. Monday at noon, I'm on the app scheduling them, and it has changed my life. It has changed my life. So um, I feel at my age, I can't believe I can say this, but I am fitter and happier than I've ever been. And the connection with my brain and my heart is so unexpected and fabulous. So obviously this information has been out there for hundreds of years, but I just am getting it the last two years, (laughs) and it's like awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, I I can't think of a a higher note to end with. So, Leslie, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I just love spending as much time as I can get with you, so thank you for sharing it, especially a very non-business related kind of conversation that I don't think a lot of people get to hear often. So thank you. You're welcome, Sharon. It's been delightful. Anytime. Thank you. Do you want more real estate secrets? Then go get all our best kept secrets that agents around the world are using to win more listings, grow their teams, and make a fortune every single day. Go to kingstonlane.com forward slash secrets. That's kingstonlane.com forward slash secrets.